Hello all, my name is Solomon Page. Oh yeah, we're live by the way. Oh really? Yeah, we're live. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. huh. All right. Solomon Page. My name is Solomon Page. I live I'm from Dallas and I'm here. And he's here. Glad to have it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm Tom Tabor. I'm Chris. Maurice. David Bynum. Al Flores. Time. And then there's what? Some people back there. Yeah. Five more people. We got you on Apple. You can see him on your camera, right? Jay. Any cameras aimed at you? No, no cameras at me. Incognito. (laughs) (laughs) So we we have a big, we have a full room today in this one. This is uh, the. Wide Awake in Babylon podcast episode twenty five. Twenty five, right? Twenty five. I think it's twenty five. Yeah, that's that's yeah. so that's it's a silver it's a anniversary. Quarter. Is that a silver anniversary? It's a milestone. It's a milestone. It really is oh, silver yeah, anniversary. Yeah. Isn't it? Twenty five years. So that means it's sticking so, around. Twenty five. That's what we're <laughs> Many more to go. Yeah, we'll see what we if we have anything. Wait till we get to two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. All right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we're gonna have to be more interesting of people to do that. I'm. We never repetitive. all right right. so you know there's a whole room full of people in here and we're gonna talk about something 12 people in 200 square feet so (laughs) (laughs) who wants to talk about what so um you know a lot of people i think that listen they are all kind of on a similar vibration or somewhere around those parts and so everybody's worried about what's coming and a big part of the problem it seems like is the worry of what's coming. And so let's talk about, cause I know all of us in here, I know everybody in here pretty much has done things that they do to, to where you're not necessarily fighting something, but fighting for something like not fighting against the machine, but you're fighting for like your love or your family or something like that, you know? So I think that's a good topic to try to go on because it's kind of like, Everybody can tell you what the problems are, but nobody has any solutions. So what are some some, some solutions that we can uh, think tank up here? Hey, hey. So this is a solutions podcast. This <laughs> is called the brainstorm edition. <laughs> so what would be an example of like a problem to you? Where do we begin? Where do we begin? <laughs> yeah, you can go on and on. Well, okay. So a big problem to me is I have some, I have babies yeah. and what kind of world are they going to grow up in? Uh, there's a, a lot of things that are a big part of that nutrition big pharma education i could the list goes on and on and on and so like uh education's a great one because that's everybody that has babies now are like do i want to do the public school system because everybody has a we grew up that way that's how we all grew up that we were we all had that in those in uh and that's not that's done that's gone and so you know, do we homeschool? Do we go to Montessori? Do we do Waldorf? Do we do all these different things? And as you look into it, like we were looking into Waldorf education, for instance, that was the thing that resonated best with us. And when we had Ruby and that was, well, the pandemic, like we had a boom pandemic lockdown. And, uh, but then like Waldorf, one of their things was supposed to be no devices. And then as soon as the lockdown happened, they went straight to devices. (laughs) And then, so that I was like, Okay, so, in, but then we actually did try like this uh, thing that was like a Montessori based thing, and I actually liked it. And she learned, but it's like, I want to be more connected to my child's education now because now that I see what's going on, and now that I see that you, you, you really can't trust your kids 
teaching them something that you don't even know whenever half most of the stuff they've taught us isn't even true so <laughs> true so so i'm sorry go ahead so no i just wanted to uh, just kind of piggyback what you were saying um it kind of hits right home uh my son we're actually homeschooling him this year like taking him out so he can do his high school his last two years of high school from homeschooling mm -hmm. because the public school is just you know, doing a disservice to them, you know, and now they got, because everything is, you know, okay, technology is great, but when everything's tied to it, and we were talking about this earlier, like when you have everything in the palm of your hand, so you got your entertainment and your business and you're studying all in one place, it's easy to get distracted. And these kids have it hard. You know, how easy, it, oh man, I'm supposed to do my paper, but let me go look at Tic Tac or Tick, tick, whatever it's like called. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, and when you think of it, because it's hard for adults, you know, like you, so you can only imagine for a child to be able to have to navigate through that. So we actually took our son and we're actually in the process right now nice. of, of, of getting home. You know, I want to backtrack back to that. What's the problem? What are the solutions? But uh, one of the solutions that we're coming up with and not everybody can afford this but you can afford a lot of things like there's my wife is uh on all these crunchy moms groups and a lot you'll hear a lot of people sometimes a lot of people like if someone's like we eat all organic and we only eat raw we eat uh no all this that no chemicals no pesticides herbicides fungicides rodenticides we make sure our water is spring water blah 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 and then you'll always have someone that posts like oh that's privilege you're privileged because you can afford that well my sister-in-law she didn't have a lot of income coming in, single mom with two kids. She got a job at a health food store. Her kids and her, they eat all organic, but she's not putting that stuff in her kid's body. You know, so um, so that being said, uh, one solution that I think we're thinking about is trying to find some kind of a teacher that can come in and teach them. And especially in the beginning before they hit that official school age anyways, already start getting them just like right now, bring my teacher that abc's teacher spanish mm -hmm. teacher how to count mm -hmm. teacher how to read teacher how to you know just basic stuff like that mm -hmm. and then that way it's happening within my home i'm getting to know the person i'm being allowed to be involved with my daughter's education what is she going to be seeing instead of sending them some group daycare where they have people that make 12 dollars an hour that half of them don't care about their jobs the other half are angels and then they're teaching some curriculum that they have no and, you know, most of the time they're all mamas too. And they have like experience with children and they know how you should raise a kid. And it's like, no, you have to do this. You know, you have to raise it this way. And so, uh, you know, and, and teach my daughter uh, things that I'm thinking that all people should with kids should start thinking about now. I'm starting to teach my daughter already. She's three and a half. And I'm starting to teach her that your breath controls your neurochemistry. <laughs> you know, if you want to accelerate your nervous system, you take a longer inhalation, shorter exhalation. If you want to decrease, decrease the nervous system you vice versa and so little things like that why aren't they teaching kids that in school yeah that's incredible you know? yeah so those uh, are things that help you deal with life yes you know breath and then we get to control what what is fed to her yeah i'm sorry you know? one of the things that i've seen a lot is a lot of these kids can see logos they see they they can enable they can name a logo without even seeing it they just see the logo they don't know they can tell you the brand but can they do that with plants can they do that with you know things that they need in the wilderness to live um, could they do that with leaves, flowers? Um, not many, if anybody, you know, so they're teaching the kids things that they think are just, you know, useful, but in actuality, it's useful for the system that breaks them down to make them, you know, slaves, pretty much just people that work mm -hmm. and not, not leaders. They just 
teach them the basics and they teach you how to show up. You know, that's really all school is. It's a place where you go so somebody else can say, hey, they showed up so many days in a row. They were never late. They got us, you know, whatever average. So they're going to be a good worker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they really need to teach them how to be self-sufficient. And that's what Chris and Tom do a lot of. And they lead a lot of people to want the same thing. You know, um, I saw what y'all have done, um, both of you. And I see now that David is following those footsteps as well. And that makes me want to do the same thing in time. Because like David said, um, money is difficult. You know, not everybody's making six figures, you know, and even if you're making six figures, that's not even enough to live on. So you look around and you're like, okay, you got double income families and even 200,000 ain't enough to live on. But, you know, it's, it's difficult right now with everything going up, you get 3% raises with 25%, you know, hikes on everything else. So, I mean, where are we at? You know? So it sounds like it starts with the parents, how they teach the kids. So do you feel like there's a way to like shock their awareness? So then now they're not operating from that vibration where they're showing the kids the logos, having them learn stuff that's not important. Or do you feel like it's survival of the fittest? Some people it's just, they just fall into that category and no matter. Having three kids, that's a great question. And how I raised mine, like having three kids, I always use things as examples, like a teaching moment. You know what I mean? Especially if it was something that didn't sit right with my spirit. You know, hey, look, that right there and that right there, that's not how that's supposed to go. You know, whether it's on TV, hell, whether if it's something that me and my wife are doing, you know what I mean? Hey, that's not something that you're supposed to, you know, could have been a better, you know, you know what I mean? So you definitely, I'm sorry. So you definitely have to be the example at home is what I was getting to. You know, mm-hmm. the parents are a big part of that, you know, to get them to not pay attention to the logos and to get them consistent on something else. But it can be difficult because society, you know, and your kids want to be kids. They want to be, they want to be kids and you don't want to take them away from that, especially when all the other kids are doing that. So what can you do to not be the bad guy? Put them up on as much knowledge as you possibly can. You know what I mean? And just pray and say, spirit, you got them from here. It's all I can do, you mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah, I remember hearing a story. I don't know who, if it was you who told me that or somebody told me, but um, basically they don't vaccinate their kids and their kids went to school and all the kids are getting vaccinated. And so then they make fun of the kid like, yo, you're not vaccinated. And so she comes home, she's like, yo, mom, I want to get vaccinated. Oh, so like, how, like from the parents, how do you approach that when it's cool in school to do the bad shit and then, they come to you and they're asking you for that. Like, how do you relay that message to them at their toddler age? That Well, I, I think like one of the bigger overall solutions is like completely displug, just uh, separate until you can figure out what to do within the system, separate from the system and already start trying to make moves. So everybody should understand that, you know, um, you have to get yourself prepared. And what would it, I, I work with this naturopathic doctor and her family does close quarter gardening where they grow this incredible amount of food. They sell it to people. They give it away to people. They have tons of food and they're just growing. And it's just uh, two people growing it all. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I don't even, I don't know how much it is, but it's a very small land. It's like if everybody started a garden, a victory garden back from the 40s. Yeah, like a victory garden. And uh, like how much that teaches, we have chickens, we've had gardens, we've grown plants. I see my daughters doing it. And I, I, I know that that's just the way I grew up. And now it's like, wow, I'm having to go out of my way to do this whenever that was part of the way back, 
you know, when the world was a lot more simpler. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but like so much of it is just so much bigger than anything we can really do. I just think you create your own little microcosm mini thing and you get self-sufficient and not because it's getting to where if it doesn't really take a brilliant person to look at on a global scale, we are becoming more and more and more and more and more not self-sufficient, but sufficient on people that have proven that we can't trust them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Reliant. Yeah. Reliant. Yeah. Reliant. And, and, you know, and you know, that thing that me and Chris always talk about is about like, you're not who you think people think they're looking at. And then also you're not, most people don't even have no clue what's going on. And that's the biggest thing that gets you in trouble is you think the world's this way and the world's not really that way, but you go on in your ignorance, not, not bothering to try to like, well, let's dissect this and break this down and see um, people have what time. is really going on. Like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. You know? their, so, their, perception, their perception is the reality. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I own seven businesses. I have two children. I have a lot of, uh, um responsibilities. responsibilities and the thing is is even within that i fight for uh to take the time to do that to to understand to learn about where awareness is coming from and like the devices for instance like we think the world is how we think it is oh i hardly spend any time on a device you follow people around they're like you just see them everywhere with their kids doing whatever talking to them and they're just in their device you know and so uh so I, I remember this one time, Chris, you were over and Tom, and uh, actually I think we were all over and my daughter was sick and I was walking her, um, trying to get her to go to sleep. And she was up crying, crying, crying. It was a near age. And I, and I was walking her and I was so sleepy because I'd been up for days with her. And, um, and so I just would, as we're walking, I'm like bored, it's dark outside and I'm walking in the dark. And so I just pull out my phone to start looking at it. The, uh, to, um, I'm very connected with my daughter. So I just pull out my phone to start looking at it, you know, just check my messages, look at emails, check a thing on Facebook, whatever. And every time I would pull out my phone and start looking at it and I would break that connection with her, she would start crying. And it took me a second to figure out that every time I'd put the phone away, she'd stop crying because now I'm like reconnected, looking out for cards, this, yeah. that, the other. And then I would check the phone, start crying. And I did it as an experiment. Let's see how many times we could do it. I did it for like a mile. And I was like, wow, before I stop doing, it, I'm gonna stop making her cry, you know, mm -hmm. and learn the lesson. Like so many things take the awareness and we think it's just our normal way to live life, you know? And so in so many ways, the Amish had it right. They don't vaccinate their kids. They eat all organic and, you know, they have no autism. They can't find one autistic kid in the whole Amish community. Interesting. They can't find one. There's no autoimmune conditions in the Amish community, hmm. you know? Hmm. And I'm not saying go run out and be Amish because you have to be pragmatic about it, but you have to start mm -hmm. getting very clear and not just be like, I'm going to gravitate this way. Well, no, they, you have to like create a plan at this point is the way I see it. I would say the Amish have some really good things that we can all learn from. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly their own community. Yeah. Like real, like connected communities, yeah, like something else. And, uh, so how could community be well, part of the solution? It is, it's the only solution. Yeah. I mean, they're really, but you know, what is community going to really be based on? I mean, right now, community is based on groupthink. It's based on, you know, uh, political affiliation. You know, there's a whole, you know, the LGBTQIASTUV. That one, that's its own community, and they're all kind of against each other. Right. So, you know, it's like I look at the society, uh, the system we're living under, and more and more it's just this is an insidious thing that grows out of you know for us ignorance 
but obviously there's some kind of intent behind it. Okay. And, you know, and, and has it been going on a long time? I think it's probably been going on forever, but with, you know, the advancement of like technology and the ability to reach a lot of people, um, it's kind of amplified now. And now you got like a city of, say, like a city of 11 million people. What if 1% decided they were just going to go crazy one day? That's 100,000 people. So it can do a lot of destruction. You know, one person can really lock down a whole city now. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're looking at this and you, so there is no community. And anybody who thinks, oh, well, we have a nice, no, in most communities and there's no, there's no, no, I'm sorry, I don't see it. You know, oh, we all live in this, under this, uh, like a, you know, Homer's Association communities, those, those aren't real. You know, I mean, spiritual communities, those aren't real. I mean, they're, they, what is it? Everybody wants to, you know, smoke the weed, but no one wants to wash the dishes. Right? <laughs> Everybody wants to participate in all the festivities, but when it comes time to doing the work, they're nowhere to be found. Everybody wants to be a king, but nobody wants to plow the fields. Right. So, you know, so where does this, you know, it starts with probably, I mean, the amplified version of it is the Industrial Revolution. Right. And so you had men that were very rich, very, uh, let's just say for themselves. And, you know, they have all these factories popping up. You got to fill them with somebody. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to go work in there. Well, your education system kind of got turned then. So now the education system became what it is, right? What, tell me what I'm talking about. Okay. You go Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. eight to five or eight to four thirty. Get half an hour for lunch, and you get uh, weekends and some holidays off. Is that a job or that's a job? The only difference between school and a job is the job you get paid for, and the school you get grades for, right? And so, and you think about that. Okay, so the the current education system that's been going on. I mean, we all went through it. Emails older folk, and you, you you saw your parents the least. Really, I mean, if you think about yeah, it, from the time you're in like first grade, yeah. kindergarten's like a half day, right? Mm-hmm. But by the time you're in first grade, you know, you're going like 8.30 to 3.30. Okay, after 3.30, you come home and you go play with your friends for a while. Now it's like 5.30, right? You go do your homework, then it's dinner time, and then it's read a story and go to bed. So you aren't really, the parents aren't really interacting with kids anymore. They're getting most of their conditioning, most of their ideas from the school, mm-hmm. right? And it's the scary thing about it because we all saw it. We were basically being educated by people who had no passion for what they were teaching. They, they were just kind of, eh. so they weren't really paying attention so much. I mean, I'm not saying every teacher's like that and that the teacher's profession is that. It just got turned into it. You know, it was educated. Teachers were educated by that system to educate people to adhere to that system. So they really, you know, even if they wanted to bring something in there that, you know, this is how you breathe. Hey, you know, don't everything going through your mind. Not all of it's true to like say that to kids, you know, and that no, no, no. You know, so there's they're they're being raised really by each other, right? Either by the state. Or by each other most of the time. Because do the math. Okay, they got to sleep eight hours a night. They're at school for eight hours, right? So that's you got eight hours left. Three or four of that's com, you know, just consumed and just kind of running around getting everything done. So what do you got left? Like a couple hours a night with your kid, if you even no have- influence on your child. No influence whatsoever how they're gonna turn out with that amount of time with your child. Right. Uh, 
school. It was but, crazy during um, school, go off on what you were talking about. You would be in school from eight to four o'clock. And if you wouldn't go to class, you'd get truancy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's you can go the, to, yeah, you can, it's against the law not to go to class. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, get involved now, everything. It's yeah. crazy. Well, mm-hmm. and when that was instituted was right after the Civil War, it turns out. This whole education system we currently have. And it's working perfectly as designed, but its intent isn't what we think it is. It's not education. So you were saying it's state indoctrination mm-hmm. camp. Yeah. There, it's very hard to distinguish a middle school from a prison. Yeah. There's yeah. this barbed wire, and that's yeah. by design as well. And and then that whole indoctrination is you've like acclimated this child to a nine to five career. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem the industrialists had was not just filling factories with workers, but once they had those factories full of workers, that they would overproduce goods, and so their fear was that we will be have the ability to make more goods than are necessary. So one of the goals of the education system is to have excellent consumers mm-hmm. and the way you have excellent consumers is excellent you have to first not over educate them just educate them enough so that they can do the jobs that need to be filled but not enough to be independent free thinkers because that's dangerous to the current system to have independent and and prior to the civil war america was very much kind of a frontier mentality that thing that we we're talking like the american spirit like people like homesteading and out there and you can totally self-reliant and they saw that as a threat to the power because you can't control people like that right but it's so much easier if you herd them into suburbs that are all like five feet apart mm-hmm. everybody goes their nine to five job Break apart the family unit because as you take those kids away from there, there's not that bond of the parents. Mm -hmm. And now we have all kinds of, now we're going to confuse the kids as to what gender they are. Here's another interesting aspect of that. So we had that education system in place Mm -hmm. where we're training little little workers, little factory workers. Mm -hmm. And then there came this point in time where, because, you know, that usually was, you know, by and large, the men would go to the factories, Mm -hmm. by and large. And the women would stay home with kids, raise So at least there was some connection of a family unit there. And then what? The Rockefellers come in, mm-hmm. right, and say, "Hey, you know, women have the right to work too, right?" And now you've removed the mother from the house, mm-hmm. right? So now they're both working, right? And now you know, and it's like not that it didn't take that quickly. I mean, I know growing up, most of us, our mothers were probably still at home for they were you know, like two jobs. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, some were doing their thing, obviously, but I think by and large, you know, in the 70s, there's still a lot of at-home moms for a while. Yeah. My, well, my mom started a small business or bought a small business, mm-hmm. a preschool, actually, with another woman. They went into the bank in 1971 and said, we'd like to get a loan. And they said, and here's the business return. Here's our business plan. We have all the documents. They said, well, come back with your husband so they can sign off on this. That's mm-hmm. how you're going to get a loan. Right. But, you know, and, that, <laughs> and, and I think that's probably a lot went on. It's daycare kind of thing. And then, you know, like school, you went to your, you probably went to your mom's school. I did before she owned it actually. Right. So like when, when I, we had our two daughters, it was like, I'm not letting anybody else raise them, not from the get go. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, we both were working at the time, you know, just to get it together. And, and then it was like, okay, one of us is definitely not going to work because I don't want anyone else raising my child. I don't know enough about anyone else. And we're in a closed off society where through our socialization, through marching through the education system, the indoctrination system, the, the kind of, what is it, socialization of your culture, that, you know, when we say, hey, who are you? I'm this, I do this, this is, mm-hmm. you know, where I live, and 
These are the things I like. And that doesn't tell you anything about what's actually driving that human being or what they do. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, you know, for me, when I, because I have two daughters, there's no way in hell I'm going to put them in anybody's care that I don't know. That is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And the only time that we did was uh, when my ex wife was running a daycare down at the Four Corners in Cortez, Colorado. And uh, she was, you know, basically running a state daycare. And so our kids went there while I was working. Mm-hmm. But that was after they were a little bit older. But, you know, I was a stay at home dad. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not letting anyone else raise these kids. Because they are appreciative of that too. Yeah, yeah. To and, day. you know, when I look at them, it's like they never had a problem with social media. You know, um, one of them, you know, had some friends that just didn't have a good home life. And that, you know, that's the thing that I think is really interesting is, you know, when you watch kids, you could have a kid that at your house, he's great. But if he gets involved in the wrong group of people, you start watching that attitude come home. It's like, yo, wh- why are you acting like that? Mm-hmm. Well, this, you know, like, you know, you realize that your home life is not like your friend's. Okay, this is what they got going on there. And that's why you see all this strictness and all this arguing and all this punishment. We don't do that with you. Mm-hmm. So don't take on that attitude mm-hmm. because this is, there's no reason for you to have it. Mm-hmm. Right. And get them to see, you know. So with my daughters, it was like I never, we always had a ton of people over, I mean, you know, doing medicine work, you know, mm-hmm. doing that whole thing. I've been doing it for, you know, a very long time. And, you know, it's, it's a little, more now than it was back then, but it was still going on. And we'd have people come in all the time. And some of them super broke down, mm-hmm. right? But there was, you know, me, my wife, and then whoever would be around were the people I would trust. And and my daughters were not ones to, if someone said, you keep this from your parents, they that first person they're going to do is, go, you don't know who my dad is, do you? Because <laughs> yeah. he'll tear your shit up when I go tell him. And if you think you can do anything to me, you're going to probably be in a grave in the backyard. I mean, they knew that. Mm-hmm. So there was no intimidation from anybody trying to hide or play some game or, you know, even trying to, you know, molest them. Yeah. None of that going on. Right. But what they were subject to were people who were seemed okay. And then just off the rails they go. So that education is up to the parents. Mm. No way around that. Yeah. You have to teach them how to know what they're viewing is real or if they're wanting it to be real. So they put this kind of veneer over it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't have access to your kids, they, they don't learn that. They're going to learn from their peers how to act. And that they might be hanging out with people that they think are cool because everybody likes them, mm-hmm. but he's the biggest asshole running around and is making a havoc in your kid's life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like looking at that. It's like, yeah, yeah you, we could, this problem we have, you know, because you could talk about problems forever because there's, it's in every, it's infected everything. Mm-hmm. Right? There's something there that should not be, that has infected everything. Mm-hmm. right I agree and it's like okay so we all know that and i think most of the people you can talk to know that but there's a fear of doing anything about it and the fear starts at home that the emotional kind of because part of our education system was to ignore your emotions there was emotional mm-hmm. plays between kids and the socialization and the growing up, the sports, the whatever, the little cliques and clubs, but none of that was stable. That was just chaos because mm-hmm. there, was, there was no real – it wasn't like a rites of passage. 
It was just what we do when the adults aren't looking, right? And so they're basically kind of getting their ideas. Definitely not from you. Mm -hmm. The phone now, that's telling them who to be, what to appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. The master distracted. Taylor Swift, is that popular? I mean, does anybody have a brain anymore? I mean, that's Jesus, really? She's a what? Approaching 40 and something like that. It just writes about her boyfriends, high school bullshit. It's like, yo, girl, come on. Wow. It's just enough of that. You know what I mean? It's like, but that's what our culture is attracted to. Cardi B, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah these kind of, what yeah. the hell? Because there's nothing there. Yeah. It's low vibrational. So asking, so asking yeah. the guys in here that have older children, because I got younger children, what's some good advice to people out there that have younger children that – um what is it in that develops that quality in that child to have the bond with their child with their parent where they come to them where they're open with them and where even if the influence that they're receiving out there in the world doesn't like match the vibration that the parent was giving that they can somehow try to uh interface that you know what i mean with you and with them and how they're being out there in the world does that make sense yeah Yeah, i mean i think you got to respect them yes yeah. They're people, they're right. they're they're beings with feelings just yeah. like you. Right. Yeah. You know, you can treat them like a little mini me all you want, right. but they're their own person. Yeah. And they, you know, and and I mean, when we were growing up, there was a lot of the parents around the kids that were like, "You're gonna grow up and be a doctor," and that's right. you know, you don't do that. Right. Just you know, you're gonna be what you're gonna be. So, Carlos, what he put to me because you know he was around before I had kids, right? I mean, he was there as my was being born, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, "You don't." teach them anything they know they'll know what they need to learn as they go along what you teach them is how to learn right how to grow and not get stunted by that how to basically hold your own right and how to understand that really the only one that's going to be able to direct your life and for a kid it's a little different because they're going to need that input until they know what the world is but once you know what the world is the only thing you're ever going to be able to really count on and trust as far as the truth is is the way you feel there's no other way and until people want to address their feelings because you know i watch parents with kids and there's a whole lot of anxiety there there's a whole lot of restlessness there. there's a whole lot of tension there's a lot of animosity that can sit in that so if the emotions are brought up there's just nothing that's going to really happen there right so i think people have to get clear with okay What's your feelings towards all this? And that's taboo in this. Yeah, I, I was about yeah. to say it's kind of it's wild because they 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 sense they desensitize like it's like you talk about your feelings you're 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 a punk yeah how dare you yeah, yeah. you know what I mean it's like swallow those down and don't talk about those you know it's almost like a setup you know because mm-hmm. if when you do that and you do that enough that shit becomes a disease mm-hmm. you know what I mean it literally becomes an ailment yeah, yeah you know and that anxiety grows into a cancer or whatever you know and it's just like instead of learning the correct way right. you know and we don't see the effects of this I mean we we think we do I mean we see the effects and oh wow kids are shooting up schools and you know there's the suicide rates going up and all that yeah. but you're not seeing the problem you're seeing the result of the problem yeah so w- what is the problem then? I mean, if they, if the result is they're killing each other, you know, going trans crazy, you know, the whole thing. I mean, I don't think it's that widespread, honestly. I think the media just kind of really puts it out there. Yeah. You know, but I doubt, I doubt it's even 1% of the population. So they're just trying to make they it. They say big. it is 1%. I think like 
Is that her, that's what I heard. Right, right. I think I heard like that, you start seeing that's, there that, oh, you guys are catering to the lowest denominator. Right? It's like you realize, I mean, it's, so you got this media working against any kind of sense of community. Because mm -hmm. they're just pitting one group against the other. And it's like a group, they can just make that shit up. And, you know, here's a group. Here's a group. Let's put them together. So I mean, everybody unified. In some type of a that sounds culty. No, that sounds modern. No, I, I don't mean I don't mean some small little group in the woods. I'm talking like just say let's let's do a thought experiment. Some everybody somehow we were all able to get along enough to have a civil <laughs> wow. society. I mean, big ideas over here. No, I mean, I, my I, mind's I, trying to get in. Like, what? No, I feel like I feel like like you were talking about Pacolpa the other day. You're like it's on the edge of chaos, but uh, Pacolpa in Peru, it's on the edge of chaos. But yet it never like explodes and somehow it hangs in this fine balance. And I mean, there are just like there's electromagnetic waves and there's uh, equations to things. There's also that within the social, socioeconomic, just the whole social system, the social structure. And so, you know, if uh, what, what, what exactly helped me here? I lost myself, but basically unified, like everybody's unified. Yeah. Okay. So if we all get unified, how would those things begin to melt away? So, like, would they melt away? Here's the thing. What are you getting unified behind? Because what's actually- Getting unified behind uh, freedom. Right. And freedom, and f yeah. the way that freedom's expressed through our beings is uh, through self-sovereignty. Right. So, yeah, the right to free speech. The but, right to- And it also creates to, the, it allows for many different ways of thinking, being, and relating. So, not unified in terms of being conformity. It's actually the reverse of conformity, allowing- humans to express themselves as they wish to okay without in this way so have you heard the the bruce lipton thing where he talks about darwin had a grandfather or mass or Urs, oh yeah there's erasmus i think his name was mm -hmm. and and then there was this other guy and they developed the exact same theory but where where darwin's was based on competition survival of the fittest mm -hmm. The other theory was based on cooperation. Like right. we evolved to this and we got here because we all cooperate. Right. And it seems like just like the mindset and the mindset that is given to us and what we learn and everything they're giving us is like, it's uh competition. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I can speak for here in America. That's very much what I grew up in. It's like competition, survival of the fittest type of approach to life. Oh dude. You know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. be growing up. I remember like if you were dating a girl, that was cute. Yeah. It's another guy doesn't have a girlfriend, but boy, he really wants yours. They start picking a fight with you, yeah. like trying to macho up, you know, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to, the competition side of it is, it's probably, I don't know if it's, it's, I'm not young enough to know if it's still existing in there, but it looks like it is. Yeah. yeah. It's partially still cooperation too, because in school, they try to make you work as a group and all that stuff. Cause that's also part of the plan, like get you together working under one rule, one unit, but also in the same thing that's separating them at the same time. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Well, that's how they're going to get us to follow under that one thing is keep us so divided. And so that's also another sense of the unity is not that let's all believe the same thing and do the same thing, but let's all figure out a way to put the differences aside. And then, cause you know, most people you talk to nowadays, mm -hmm. and I've seen that change happen. Like, you know, uh, what, what, when they're interacting with you, if it's not someone you're close with, a lot of times they're just looking for something within you to d disagree about. <laughs> Have you ever noticed? I that? disagree yeah. with that. But, 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 but if it pops up, <laughs> if it pops up, I bet you're going to get excited about it and try to talk about it. Yeah, but if it goes, opinion, but any of it goes you know? against their beliefs, they will sit there and they will hound you yeah. and they'll rag yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, you know, I remember growing up that if you were to talk about anything real, mm -hmm. bring up something real, 
No, no, that's taboo. You do not talk about these things. Right. Can you tell everybody? Get on him. Like, that guy believes in that. You're all like, dang. Right, right. Or just, you know, like being totally confused about why you felt certain ways in your childhood. And then suddenly, you know, you try to ask about that in your childhood. There is no attention to that. And then you get some kind of weird, you know, night where it ruptures through and some memories flood in and make you go, holy shit. And you, you live that long not even realizing what influences you're living under. Right. And so until the adults in the room, I don't think, you know, if there are any anymore in this world, you got to get right with their feelings so they can actually guide children to navigate those things and not get caught up in the same traps we did. I mean, you know, it's like, why do I do the work that I do? Well, you know, one of the reasons is I don't, I know where those traps are. I know where those pitfalls are. I know when you start thinking in a certain way, you're screwed. And I know when you start draining your life force into desire because you have no sense of focus that you're screwed. Mm. And if you go chasing bliss, you're going to end up in the same place as if you were chasing depression. You're going to end up in the same spot. They all, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, so you have to be, you know, really the way forward is be aware of your feelings first. Be aware of how you feel about everything. And if there's something you don't agree with, check and see if you're doing it first. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys, you get on the road and everybody drives like a fucking idiot. Right. Motherfucker. Right. But the problem is, (laughs) is just after you do that, you son of a bitch, you just cut me off or whatever that is. You're doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you can feel it when someone's doing it to you, mm-hmm. but I allow myself to feel it when I've done it to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, one of the ways you're going to always find out and be, the only way you can be honest about how you feel is what Carlos told me, and I've said it before, that Christ of all, don't ever lose the ability to feel bad. Otherwise, you might not know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and you, you know, in this, to me, society, by and large, and maybe not for everybody, it's set up that there are no consequences to your action if you just rub a little money on it. Yes, right. Yeah, just rub a little money on it, and all your problems go away. Mm-hmm. So, but those problems don't go away. They go away in the public. They go away in any repercussions out in the open mm-hmm. for your behavior. But don't do shit to make you feel any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you end up completely depleted of life force. And you end up in a little curmudgeon, pterodactyl. I'm sure all of us have one of those in school. You know, a squawking pterodactyl. Just yeah. some old person just yeah. bitter and Miss, shitty. Her name was Miss Ratwig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Yeah, Ours was, was Miss Wolf. Miss Wolf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, the name? MS, because yeah. no one would marry her. Yeah. <laughs> Ms. Wolf. Wow. And she was mean as hell. Yeah, nobody married Miss Ratwig. Yeah, this is Miss Ratwig. No. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of, to me, it's like, and when you go to school to go learn from these adults, yeah. what, what kind of night did the adult have? Man. What kind of shit they got going on in their house? Are they drinking? Yeah. And we had this teacher that all of the parents thought he was wonderful, right? Because he was jovial and he was, you know, he was a good comedian, conversationalist. 
Mm-hmm. This son of a bitch was drunk as shit in our class, and all he did was show us nuclear war movies. <laughs> we were just like, oh my god, it's like the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Where, he even showed us there's one out there. It's really obscure. It's called Where the Wind Blows, When the Wind Blows. And it, the soundtrack's by Pink Floyd, and it's about this old couple in England. Nuclear war has happened, and they're following the survival handbook as they're falling apart and dying. Yeah, we're like, this is fucking depressing for like a whole semester this guy is showing us the, the horrors of nuclear war Did you get an a? while he's yeah. sitting there pretending that's coffee and there's more vodka in there than anything <laughs> just getting lit yeah you know it's like no one's paying attention right and so some of those adults you know uh can really affect everything else i mean i had this job in california a long time ago where you know it was a good job Paid well, you know, and we're all doing our work. And that the manager of the place, he was getting a divorce and he was bitter as shit about it. Mm. Guess who he took it out on? Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Us. So, well, you know, and I'm not that guy who puts up with that shit. Never really have been. So one day I'm just like, you guys had enough of this? You're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's, I'm going to go talk to him. He's like, you go, he's right over there. I'm like, no, no I'm going to wait. He's like, why? He's like, I'm going to wait until he goes up into his office because the owner in the president's office is right next door to his. So, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know, just after lunch and he goes up there and I go walking up to the office, right? And I'm like, hey, we need to talk. Can I talk to you? He's like, yeah, come in and shut the door. I said, no, I don't want to shut the door. And I popped on him. I'm like, you know, I do understand you're getting a divorce. I get it. You know, and that sucks for you. But uh, you're, you're taking it out on us. Right, I'm not the guy that slept with your wife. You get that? Mm. I'm not the guy trying to take your house. I'm not the guy trying to take your money. I'm not trying to get a lawyer and steal your kids. Mm-hmm. So you you need to understand that wherever this beef exists, you need to have it with that person and stop taking it out into the environment because the environment, the public arena, is not a place for you to go air your goddamn grievances. Mm. Shut the fuck up and do your work. You know, focus on, you know, the fact that you're going to need some kind of counseling for your divorce and you need to park that shit at home. You know, it's kind of like when you go do ayahuasca ceremonies in the jungle, there could be so much shit, just like weird kind of um, just conflict going on because it happens. Mm -hmm. They don't let that invade anything. At least some of them don't. I mean, I'm sure there's some that do, but the places I go, they if even when they're doing those ceremonies, there could be all kinds of calamity going on around it around the village or between people in there, you know, some kind of disagreement that never comes into the work. Wow. Right. And you never hear it so much talked about. That's beautiful to hear that because over here. Oh, it's, it's gossip time. You grab onto it and it's held. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, so I'm not letting that go. Oh, dude, we have people, we have people out there that, you know, think they're, they're telling people we do black magic and and there was another one that said oh that group you're taking to peru my guides told me someone's gonna die on that trip it's like do you realize that you, you're not here you're not associated with us what anyone else is doing is truly none of your fucking business <laughs> Exactly. At all. Yeah. And the fact that we want to make other people's business our own how mature are we with the way we feel? Or are we just completely nuts with emotions that we just go st- stampeding where we're not even invited? Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like that that's the element that creates all the distractions. 
it's not necessarily all the things we have, the phone. I mean, you know, so you got you got a phone. You've had things forever. Sometimes it was driving cattle that was your distraction. Mm-hmm. So it's not that the ob the things we do are distractions because those can be done in a fully full state of awareness. We're being distracted away from is what's actually making us human. And it's not our education. It's not our job. It's not who we're sleeping with. It's not who our children are. It's not what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. It's what's your relationship with what's looking out of your eyeballs. How much integrity does that have? Do you realize that what's looking out of your eyeballs is in the world for a completely different reason than your identity is? And your identity is kind of hijacked the whole damn thing and has been running amok ever since. Absolutely. Right? And if it's an identity, well, that's not alive, so it doesn't understand feelings. Mm -hmm. So what it's going to rely on, it's going to rely on energetic charges coming from thoughts, which are emotions. I've always said emotions are thoughts masquerading as feeling to get to get in there and agitate you. Well, that's what Madison Avenue uses. They use this kind of, you know, marketing to make you think that without that, you are less of a person. And it's yes. and it's like not just think that, feel that. Ah, I have to do that. Uh, you've seen it all the time, especially like in the profession that I came, that I played in, you know, in NFL. Right. You know, it's like kids have access to this money and the society tells you i need a beautiful big old necklace i need the biggest car i need this big old huge house just have kids just living way with outside their means right and not with no real purpose mm-hmm. and you know to flip it and make it real quick but to just see that rug pulled from up under there and you see them so attached we were just talking about this to the identity and you take that from them they're lost. Oh, yeah. They're gone. They're like, they're, they're, they're gone. Mm-hmm. What brings me to a question, because I don't have kids. I know a lot of y'all do. Who do you trust? Do you trust the school system who's paying so, somebody that's horrible? So. Or do you trust somebody who you're, they're making $100,000 a year to teach the kid? Do you go private? Well, do you, of course, do it yourself, you like you were just no, saying? I'm not saying trust yourself as in go private and do it yourself. I'm saying trust yourself as you got to be clear on what you are, what you believe, and then know that it's like what Chris was talking about, life force energy, that that has integrity and that the decision's being made with your kid through that. And and so how everybody's situation is different. So it's going to look different for everyone. But the thing is, is you got to like be clear about it and then try to get it. I'm going to go back on Chris, what he said. You have to be engaged in all aspects and be open. Right. You know, like I said, with my kids, they're a little older. I always use it as a teachable moment if it was even if it was something crazy. Funny story, my son. <laughs> my son somehow something came on TV and it was the Brazilian butts and they had these girls working out. He's like, he's young. You know what I mean? He don't know nothing about sex. He's like seven, eight years old, you know, he's young. So he goes to the phone and he punches in Brazilian butts. Uh-oh. Well, you know, Google, first thing that pops up yeah. is porn. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And so it was just like, it was a teachable moment. Like, so this isn't for you right now. You know, this isn't something that's for sure? young people, yeah. you know, but he was my cool mom, about it, you know, and especially the way that I presented it. <laughs> and to hear, like, and my wife, she had this one friend and she caught her son, older kid, finding out about himself, you know, mm-hmm. finding out about his body. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. Where's the Bible? I didn't so she she shamed him yeah. you know what i mean like she literally shamed this young man and he and in my eyes she didn't he didn't do nothing wrong you know he's, he's figuring out himself right 
You know, it's just like it was a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stiff sock. (laughs) But, you know, but it could have been a teachable moment, but she just like turned it into something that just turned real ugly. Yeah, yeah. And that's how kids flip too. And they start liking different genders and all that stuff because of how you attack them when they start figuring things out. Yeah. So, so, so being engaged. Right, right. That, you know, and seeing that if, if you never really manage your emotions, and then you have kids. <laughs> Woo! Man. You haven't really figured out how you feel about life yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, that gets really sticky. Mm, I can only imagine. about emotions, like what you were talking about earlier. Uh, because, like, your hippocampus, your amygdala, all these different things that are, like, your emotional animalistic state. You're, like, fight or flight. Your brain stem, all these different things, these lower neurological centers the intelligence of the body later on developed this prefrontal cortex and everything we initiate neurophysiologically on the material realm. I'm not talking about intent or anything like that, but just how we initiate everything in this physical world is through our frontal cortex. And you can't be emotional up here. When you become emotional, it draws it here. And then what happens is all that initiation is gone. So now the only thing you can act out of is your animalistic state or anxiety. Or anxiety, yeah, because that, yeah, it can't that move. turns on to, yeah. So, and then that turns you into, okay, fight or flight, you know? So you're either going to freeze because you don't know what to do, or you're going to start fighting. And that looks like road rage or all kinds of stuff on a really subtle level and then can get, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and as far as like protecting, how do you, you know, protect your children? You know, like anything they're going to get involved in, just, you know, you watch first. You don't come in and go, okay, this is how it's going to go with my kid because you're you're going to alter things yeah. and you're going to create an environment that's going to be hard for your kid. You watch it and you just see how they're handling it. Because, you know, I don't know. People think kids are, can't handle things. Yes, they can. Yeah. Probably better than most adults. And if you just let them handle it, they will, you know, and there's obviously things you're going to have to get involved in. But and, and you have to be very aware within yourself, are they handling or are they say they're handling it, right? Because the way you get your kid to talk to you is you kind of, hey, come here. What's up? Um, you know, I I can kind of sense you're not, you're kind of feeling funky. So now let's, let's chat a little bit, see what you're funky about. Instead of like, oh, they feel funky. And then it turns into rage somewhere and I have a fight. Right? It's like I never, I mean, the family I was raised in, I mean, as much as there was some calamity there, everybody loved each other. There wasn't the need to really fight that much, you know? So I didn't really have any kind of influence to pass it on to my kids. So we could talk about things. They could tell me, you know, they could tell me anything. I hang out with them all the time. I, mean, I got a daughter who's 27 and one who's 25. Yeah, 24, going on 25. And we see them all the time. And, and there's, it, I'm, I don't have to be dad anymore. I did a pretty good job of that. They're now their own adults. They don't ask me for anything. That's great. And like at the stage of my kids where they're at, we kind of hang out too. And I kind of make sure that that is a thing, you know, to be present in their lives. Yeah. You know, go work out with Sally, go play some video games with Elijah, go hang out with Trinity, you know, just spend time. That, you know, there was, when we were down in the jungle, I think, you know, it might help a lot of people because this book's out of print, but you bought a bunch oh, yeah. of them. It's called the Peter Pan Syndrome. I've seen that on the table. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I read that when we were down in the jungle back in June. And uh, that it, it's, it's really fascinating because you start to see where, I mean, it, it talks about society pretty by and large that, you know, men always want to pull their sons aside and tell them about women. Mm. And that's just let them find out for themselves. I mean, everybody wants to go, here's what you need to know. Here's no, no, no. Yeah. Let the, you know, so that's what I mean is like, instead of protecting your kids, they need to know what they need to know. Yeah. And that probably will have very little to do with how you view the world. So you got to let them go find that. Yeah. Right. And, and you can't just, this is what you're going to do. You know, it's like kids now, it's like, well, you got to go outside. Mm-hmm. Now they got yeah. this thing scheduled, that thing scheduled, mm-hmm. that thing scheduled. It's all scheduled. Yeah, just like yeah. wait a minute, what do you, you do? These kids really want your version of success? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, really? I mean, are you sure about that? You know, are you sure they're going to want to follow in your footsteps? Mm-hmm. And the fact that you would need them to means you're a program monster. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to let them be who they are. Yeah. You know? And it's like, well, what if they don't find their way? It's like. Did you not find your way? Absolutely. That's really the first question you got to ask. What if they can't find their way? Well, what made you not find yours? <laughs> because, it, you know, I know that, you know, even in the 70s, we were the latchkey kids, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gen X. Mm-hmm. Gen X. Mm-hmm. Right? Latchkey. Well, sure. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, what are we? I was right at the end of it. Are we Gen Z? Yeah. One millennium? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. We didn't have helicopter parents. Our parents weren't really around much. Our parents trusted us. They, you know, well, I don't know if they trusted us, but they kind of had to. <laughs> so it was kind of, it was, you know, it was a growing up in the seventies. You didn't have that that regiment around you. Well, Scott and I were talking about yesterday. Like we went down to the ditch. We're not allowed to go to the ditch. It was on the edge of our neighborhood, right. and it was like dirt, and there's turtles and snakes, and nudie mags thrown from the apartment complex on the right. side down yeah. in there, yeah. and yeah. and we were making jumps and ramps, no helmets, all that stuff. Yes. And we, we took the nudie to. mags and lit them on fire. <laughs> now it's Grand Theft Auto for the kids. Too. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're just playing these video games. It just takes people out, and they get rewarded for it in points. Yeah. The average kid probably kills like a million people. <laughs> just in, just in through elementary, just in games. All games. Yeah. And it looks real. It yeah. looks very real. Yeah. It's getting realer. Very real. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's like, that's, that's, that's part of the program. Yeah. Now you can put on that well, headset. Well, it's almost mind. now they don't tell the difference whether if it's this reality or that one they're always planning, you know, yeah, so it makes it so much easier to go life. out and shoot up a school or, yeah. you know. Art imitates life. And if you look at, like, most of the shootings that, are, like, occur that I see that are happening in Dallas, almost all of them are, like, gangster rappers shooting each other. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, what's the music talk about? What are they all doing? They're all, and it's all rappers. Every last one. You guys hear about it all the time, every other day. A rapper in That's Dallas. every city. That is every city. Go to Atlanta. Go to Dallas, LA. It seems here so once again, it goes back to the programming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this is something that I, that I was thinking about. Like in every culture, have you ever heard Taylor Swift say, I don't need no man. I'm going to get the bag without that dude. F him. I don't need no man. I don't listen to her. So no. I'm just saying, though, have you ever heard that in any other cultural music? Like, yeah. But you hear that constantly coming out of rap music. Yeah. And that was like, that, that somebody brought that to my attention. I was like, man, that is so true. Mm-hmm. We're hearing a white woman talking about, I don't need no, I don't need no man. I make the bag on, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, so where did this come from? You know what I mean? And how is it getting amplified in such a loud manner? 
to where that's the only thing you see and that's the only thing you hear and that's the only thing the kids are getting. Mm -hmm. Well, everything we see and everything we hear is like fed to us by a very few amount of people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and more and more people are coming to that understanding, but more and more people are just also falling into the deception too, you know? Mm -hmm. So. And the very few people that have those brains on that are often referred to as the elite. But I think a much better term for that is the predator class. The rent seekers. Like the rent seekers is another one. And it's it's the those seekers. that wish to control. Because if everybody became sovereign and we unified around that, it would be very bad for them. Very yeah, bad. Yeah. And you know that's happening big in well, Texas. That, right? Yeah, and part of the program the is that would be anarchy and complete chaos and nothing would function. Right. Is that true? Nope. I mean, is that really true? Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to go crazy without, you know, daddy government making sure that all the controls are in place. Mm -hmm. The nanny state. I've and been you know, in Dallas for 10 years now. We had, I've seen the city sh completely shut down one time for a week, over a week, completely shut down. No yeah. gas, no nothing. nothing. And everybody was peaceful. No looting happened. Like everybody galvanized together and helped people that didn't have power or whatever, you know? So like- I see what I've been taught my life, but then I also see it like what I've actually seen. What I actually see is people do come together and try to help. No, you're like absolutely whenever, you know, right. My buddy in West Virginia, same thing. He he closed like he had a little sports club. He closed it down and started using the food because everything was closed down that he was getting in to deliver to the old people who couldn't get out. Groceries were locked down. So they just literally came together. His whole community. Kind of like in 9-11, right? Was it like that in 9 11? Yeah, I mean, everybody would, would pop up Patriots all over the place. It sure did. Yeah, you're I right. Remember, you're right. I wanted to make you're a t shirt right. right after that that said, The last time there was this much patriotism, thousands, mm -hmm. millions of Jews were murdered. Wow. Well, and along that's, this, I didn't, because you good point, though, man. That, yeah, yeah, that's true. Because Actually, it, it was. Once you start really getting into that, there's a lot of weird things that went on. With pop, that. pop, pop, yeah, pop, and then just pop, even pop. patriots. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and and the the German society that let that all arise within it, mm -hmm. their education system. They were one of the most educated societies around, and their education system is the same one we have here in the United States. Right, right. Indoctrination, indoctrination. Mm -hmm. and, oh, sorry. No, and actually, and I've really been researching this deeply lately. But this one author that my friend Shane told me about, his name's John Taylor Gatta. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called The Secret History of the American Education System. Uh, Weapons of Mass Education. This is another book. It has a third instruction. Oh, oh Weapons of Mass Instruction. That was it. And uh, and it, he was a teacher for 30 years in the New York school system. And he was teacher of the year. And he broke all the rules to be that. And he was punished and sent away from schools. And then at the end of his career, he said, you know what? I'm going to tell the truth. And went on for like 10 years on speaking to her, telling the truth over and over again. And then wrote these three books that are quite good for parents to read before you decide to put your kids in this education system. And his his recommendation is homeschool, actually. And that's and I'm seeing that more and more from educators even. And it, it, But it's crazy how like, uh, have you ever watch, uh, heard of this documentary called The War on Standard Oil? no. Oh, you guys got to check it. And you can't even find it now. I just told someone the other day to look at it and they're like, and you're good. You had, I remember when I looked it up, it was a while ago and I had to dig. And I just told someone in there like, I can't even find it. And I didn't dig hard, but I was like, oh, it's getting harder and harder to find. It's about the Rockefellers. It's about standard oil. It's about all that. But it gets into like how he founded the whole like education board mm -hmm. and how he put like all his people, like part of the deal for them to take the deal was the money was they have to put all his people on their boards. You know, and it's involved in the decision-making process. Oof. And so, I mean, if you think about, like, you know, the type of people and what they're doing, 
with their resources. They're the ones that created the whole education system. Yeah. And and there's he's been quoted saying, and they mentioned it in that uh, documentary, that he said, uh, I'm not, whenever he founded the education board, that I'm not interested in uh, creating um, thinkers. I'm interested in creating good workers. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he was also not interested in cutting off the gas supply to Germany when the Nazis were marched across yeah. Poland either. It's crazy how we're you know what I mean? Again, you know? Standard oil, That's those tanks don't leave Germany without them. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, and Ford making yeah. tanks. And, well, you know, how many people know that George Bush? Right. Not, so you got GW, right? Mm -hmm. He was the last one. Mm -hmm. You had Herbert George H.W., mm -hmm. Herbert Walker. Well, Prescott Bush mm -hmm. with the Harriman family back in the 40s, right? Mm -hmm. uh, had their uh, early 40s, I think. It, they had their company seized, Union Banking Corporation, because they were aiding and abetting the Nazis. And then after that was done, you had, you know, a lot of people think it's conspiracy. It's actually not. Uh, you had Project Paperclip where NASA was filled with <laughs> Nazis, Nazi mm -hmm. rocket engineers. It was filled to the brim with them. Well, you go to South America, there's supposedly, I don't know, like a half a million of them living down there now. That there was like 200,000, something like that. They're all living in the hills of um, Chile, in the mountains of Chile. There's a whole German community there, all of them ex-Nazis. So they were all allowed to leave. Right. I mean, there's a few of them like anything else. Right. There was a few of them that were used as the patsy, the, the mm -hmm. fall guy. But everybody of high ranking that any kind of connection got out of it. Yeah, Same nice. thing with Epstein. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we're going to toss you a couple, you know, Prince Andrew here, you know, we'll kind of toss Bill Gates, but he's got enough money that he can pretty much he'll rub money on it and it'll all go away. So we can kind of throw him out there. But, you know, it's like. If this was anybody else, they would have scrutinized everything. You would have had the list. You would have had every little thing. And with with these people, no, you don't get to have that. Right? You just don't. You, you're, the, the, the people who run the system take the most advantage of it. And it's like, yes. well, you got to stop welfare. It's like, stop welfare. Okay, stop it in, in yeah. Washington. Nancy Pelosi gets what a hundred some thousand dollars a year. She's worth a hundred million. That's crazy. Jeez. Come she's, on, lady. Uh, she's you know really that's enough. Good. And she's really good at picking stocks. <laughs> and, and you want to? It brings me to a point. Here is why this country is so completely fucked. There are no citizens. No. We have a part of your education system trains you to be a customer. What do they call you in the reports? Consumer index shows you the consumer, you the consumer, you the consumer, not you the citizen, you the consumer, you the customer. So you're, and I've been watching this for a while and I could be dead wrong, but I used to tell my parents, they're like, I'm like, you know, when I was like 18, maybe 19, so it's 89, I'm like, this country's going fascist. And they would be like, how could you say that? I'm like, you don't you see corporations taking over? You think taxes are bad. Mm. You wait till corporate fees come down your throat. Ooh. Right? That's going to be some shit. Mm. And you see it, right? I mean, these little charges all over the place. It's just eating away at your money. That's all it really is. But the corporations control it all. And so part of your upbringing was be a good consumer. The CPI, the Consumer yeah. Price Index. And it's to be like a good that. consumer, you want to Thrive at work. Yeah. Succeed. So you can consume. And you look at people who get into like an identity crisis, and you're like, oh, this is their moment. They could actually like escape this weird opticon, <laughs> decepticon, 
Mm-hmm. They can actually like get away from this. And they go through a dark night of the soul and you're, you're hoping that they're going to get it. And they wake up in the morning. Oh, I feel good. Why? I'm going back to school. So to be what? To be integrated back into society and be able to like circumvent how you're really feeling for, you know, the possibility of benefits for jumping back into the game. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, how long is this going to get played out? I have no idea. I mean, it seems like it's they're kind of hanging at the balance on every front, that it's going to get screwed at some point. But <laughs> as long as we're going to consume ourselves into a state of satisfaction, mm-hmm. you know, there's something. You're done. You got you by the balls. You, by whatever. Yeah. You're I done. Guess, I guess there's people that don't have those. There's some that have those. More than well, anyway. Did you guys see the <laughs> stats on those credit, like how much credit card debt has increased um, since the pandemic? Well, sure. Everybody's got credit now. It's insane. And like anybody that is low income, they're, they got, they're paying probably 25% interest on their credit card. Mm-hmm. So think about that. That's insane. Talk about fees and taxes. That's taxes. You know, it's, if as long as you have trained a society to value not what's looking out of their eyeballs, yeah. not what's animating them, not yeah. what provides well-being, not mm. what provides energetic you know, presence. You got to. How are you going to do anything? Yeah. I mean, you got to go. Ah, you know, I really don't need what you're selling. Something I've really noticed since the pandemic is how unaware people have become and how less presence there is now. Because we were all standing six feet in line, not rubbing elbows like we used to be, talking to people. Everything's becoming more automated. And uh, I hear, I take care of a lot of business people that own companies and they all tell me oh, we're having trouble hiring. I'm talking to people that are recruiters for, for big med. We're having trouble hiring like motivated people, people that could do their job. You're just hearing this everywhere in every industry. You know, so I'm, I almost wonder like, are we beyond that phase now? If we're creating a good little worker because a good consumer, it's like, I think it was Alex Jones or I heard someone said, and it made a lot of sense to me. It's like these big corporations are like tripping over themselves to lose all this money now. Like you, you don't think that Bud Light didn't think something could have gone wrong from uh, doing what they did or Target doing what they did with all the satanic stuff. It's like these people don't care because they know that what's coming next, none of this is going to even be around. And like, so right now they're like, okay, sure. We'll lose like all this money or $50 million, whatever it was they lost because they know like money doesn't, isn't really going to matter too long. Anymore. Tom left at the worst time because this could have been a good time for me to ch- chime in about Bitcoin, but money, you know what I mean? Like would they control the money? They control, uh, they control, the, you know, centralized government, centralized money. So then well, money is a talisman, right? Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. Power object. Yeah. It's to absorb life force. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? It's it actually is, magic. Yeah. It's it. like, Okay, how does that work? If I go put a dollar in front of a dog and say, sit, it's going to look at me stupid. But if I put that same dollar in front of a human and say, dig. So you can basically, it's, it's, we think it represents value. It doesn't. It represents human energy. What backs money? Your awareness, your attention. You're the one, we are the ones who give it value. And it's like, okay, does it actually have value? No. Yeah, all idea does, of value outside of your own soul is an agreement. It's yeah. not real. You're making the shit up. So it's like, what does your soul value? Yeah. Right. But if you get everybody to agree that this kind of, you know, 
ethereal sense of value on some dead president on a piece of paper is, I mean, you know, that that has value. As soon as everybody agrees to it, well, whoever prints that, it's got you by the nuts, don't they? Yeah. Right? And it's like so part of the education system, part of the adult ways of hanging out anymore is there's no true understanding of what's valuable in life. So when they say like money changes people, like how do y'all feel about that? Do you feel like it? I I always said it amplifies the real you because, you know, I always watch that, especially around different players Mm -hmm. and different athletes. And, you know, nobody care if you're an asshole, if you're broke. (laughs) <laughs> like it's a shit oh, he's an asshole don't worry about him yeah. but if you're a million dollar guy and you know now you're, you're everybody's looking at you mm-hmm. but also can that turn you into an asshole like if now you're tracking all his family and all these people like you talk about Mike Tyson and listening to him and his podcast talk about it like and all the guys in the league that I've ever heard you tell me about like that you just start attracting all this attention. Next thing you know, you're taking care of all these people. And then when it's gone, they don't, they're gone too. You well, know? Sometimes you don't even have to take care of them. It's just the whole, I always say the analogy of, you know, when the blood hits the water and the sharks come around and it's the same thing, you know, and hmm. better have your shark repellent. <laughs> but think about money though. All right. So you look at a dollar bill and a hundred dollar bill, they cost the same to make. It's just a piece of paper with a number on it, and it's really just your time and energy. So they just replicate. They don't if you're trying to talk about the value of money, because you can take one hundred one dollar bills, and then you take one one hundred one hundred dollar bill, and even though the one one dollar bill and the one one hundred are the same value, because it's the piece of paper has been printed on same ink, so it's the same thing. But really, they got us all bat- inverse because it's one hundred of these. Like in the sense of true value, like some a product, mm-hmm. you know, being the, the the Federal Reserve has to print all this money up, get it out. That's all it's resources, you know, it takes energy, all this and that and the other. So it's like, dude, the whole idea of money like doesn't even really make sense, but we're all just going along with it. Yeah. Like, is there even any money in the Federal Reserve? No yeah, gold. They, they, they wouldn't like, have they wouldn't have gold to back it up. But you have to think in the mindset of what does really money equivalent to? It equivalates to the amount of energy one put in essentially what well yeah, that's what that's it's good. supposed to so it's so <laughs> right, it's i have a lot of thoughts on money i'm wearing a shirt that says fix the money fix the world bitcoin <laughs> shirt so and i i strongly believe in that so if you have money that you were alluding to chris if you have some part of society that can print money for free and everyone else in society has to work for it that's a form of slavery and counterfeit. It, it's, it's actually counterfeiting, counter, counterfeiting is a crime, but you know why it's a crime? Because those in charge aren't doing it. Right. Because counterfeiting is also quantitative easing by right. the Fed, True. which is basically printing money to infinity. So when you when they say we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna print another trillion dollars to help with COVID or whatever it is, they've done seven trillion in the last couple of years. Yeah. And did they create any new value in society printing those twenty the trillion dollars? No, so what So what did it do instead? It actually stole money from everyone's bank account in the world because the US dollar is the world reserve currency. Those closer to the money, the printing, the printing press have more advantage. Those farther away have less. Which is changing because so many countries now are moving off to other currencies. They're not they using the US dollar press, anymore. But all these currencies course. require trust. And so in the BRICS case, the case of yeah, BRICS, which is this like consortium of countries, they're going to find out they're going to create a new currency and they're going to realize they can't trust each other. Mm-hmm. Are you going to put China in charge of printing it? Well, is China going to be a good behavior actor in that? Are they going to print to infinity also? And then Brazil screwed. Right. <laughs> and so when they discover that they're going to want to find a money that's trustless, 
And there's only one of those, and that's Bitcoin. <laughs> and it is. It is. And, and, and it's brought to you by and, Bitcoin. And if and if you wish to learn more about it, my recommendation since we're doing book review today, yeah. the Bitcoin standard is a great place to learn about monetary history, the value of money, what it is, and what Bitcoin is as well. So I highly recommend that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're got your your money printing system now is ran by pirates. Yes. So it's piracy. It is. You can't do that with Bitcoin because there's nobody printing any of it. Hey, can I ask you something? Yes. What if it like the government or or JP Morgan Chase or just somebody like mm-hmm. what if someone very nefarious mm-hmm. created Bitcoin? That would that would be okay because it turns out it's open source software. So every line of code is open and reviewable. And there's some people that have taken the whole Bitcoin coin and created a whole new coin is with that it. DeFi too or no? No, no DeFi and all the cryptocurrencies right. are complete and utter scams. Just right. in case that's you didn't know. That's all Ethereum, right? Ethereum and everything after it. Right. And so Bitcoin was this revolutionary technology to change our species through a set of incentives to make us behave better. So let me a- <laughs> let me ask you a question. So the guy, what was his name again? The guy that wrote the Satoshi, white paper? Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah. So how much money is that guy worth? So like in American dollars. Nobody actually knows, but he was the first person to mine Bitcoin. He and an, another fellow named Hal Finney. And it was to keep the network up and running. It wasn't known whether it would succeed or not, but somebody had to mine it every 10 minutes. And so he did that with just a laptop. We don't know exactly, but you could do it with a Windows 95 machine at the yeah. time. And every 10 minutes, another 50 Bitcoin were created. And so he mined for the first two years fairly consistently, and it's all in one wallet. And then that wallet is a million Bitcoin. And that's valued at bill, yeah, it's three. It's currently right valued now. at thirty thousand dollars. So how Bitcoin. much is that? I can't do that math. With but thirty million, it's, it's, it's like a trillion bajillion. No, it's so not. It's like, not. It's he's, not he's, yeah. he's the richest dude on the planet. Then. Well, here's the thing. So he disappeared after two years, gotcha. and that wallet has been untouched since. And he disappeared for a lot of reasons, uh, a lot of very good reasons. Some people said, "Well, this is really bad." No, he actually took himself, his personality, his personhood out of it. And let it just live on its own. And he's also could be in very danger. But even if he was killed by a government or whatever, it wouldn't have changed Bitcoin at all. What if he, um, this is yeah, like way off because I want to go back to the vein okay. I was following, but yeah. what if he burned that wallet? Then what would that, what, that, that, that would, I know they drive it through the ceiling, but like. No, no, it doesn't drive it through the ceiling. It what it would do is it actually doesn't change anything except it would be a donation to everyone else on earth. So there's actually only will ever be 21 million Bitcoin and about 4 million have already been lost. They were just a whole bunch on a Windows 95 machine that somebody threw in the, right. the landfill right. and forgot, oh, I had a thousand Bitcoin on that machine. Yeah. So, And that's very common. And so about 4 million have already been lost. And I was talking to Scott about this earlier. All of those are a contribution to everybody else that has Bitcoin. Right. So it's a donation to humanity. So they divide it amongst everybody who has it. Well, the value, if you look at money, the value. Yeah. yeah. If you remove money out of the situation, say you remove... 10% out of the situation. Now that 90% has to be worth that 100%. So that increases the value. Of that yeah. Money. So, so going back to, we were talking about the system and it's really evil and corrupt and all these things. So when you go to a job or you own a business, by the way, David Bynum owns Hand Alchemy that every wearing shirts on. <laughs> and Maurice, yeah, yeah, we got some really awesome people here. But as you, as you earn money, clients come to you, they pay you for your services and you earn that money. And so then you owe taxes on that money you just earned yeah. due to that. Yeah. And then when you go buy something in the store, you also owe sales tax on that. And then at the end of the year, um, well, there's 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 a property tax on whatever you own, whether you rent or own, you're paying a property tax, tax on this car, sales tax. And then the person that receives your money for rent or mortgage, they also are taxing that. So 
the system keeps taxing and taxing and taxing. But if there's a money that isn't controlled by U.S. government, then they can't dip out of the pot anymore. And that changes things a lot. And also, if you hold a money, we're used to U.S. dollars that every year, every day you hold them, they get less valuable yeah. due to money printing. That's called inflation. That's what causes inflation. And only that, not evil corporations, by the way. Did that... Uh, um did that like a, a lawsuit with XRP with that, like where they're like, Oh, it's not a security, uh, or, you know, like basically it was huge for them, but, uh, for Bitcoin can that, that affects them positively too. Right. Or no. It doesn't matter too much. It probably just raises awareness around cryptocurrencies and things. That ruling is not settled yet. And, and another thing, and, 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 this and, is and eventually XRP will yeah. go to zero along yeah. with all other cryptocurrencies except for Bitcoin. So, and I'm, I'm like seriously interested in uh, Bitcoin, all this stuff. So, this is why I'm asking. Sorry, guys. Yeah. It's all right. But uh, also, um, the other thing I was going to say is, okay, and then in what sort of ways could governments regulate Bitcoin? It turns out they can't. And here's the reason why. It's because it's secured by the largest super supercomputer ever conceived by our species. And that's a network of independent computers around the world that are securing it, not just computationally, but with electric, cryptoelectric energy. So in order to mine Bitcoin, you have to invest a whole bunch of electricity or energy. And people say, well, that's a bad thing. It turns out it's not because it incentivizes our species to come up with cheaper and more abundant energy for all of us to use. And in order to attack it, you have to generate more electricity than that. And right now, I think it's too big for any government, even a collusion of governments to take it down. And it's also backed up by a cryptocurrency developed by the U.S. military that they can't break. So, and if, okay. So yeah, let's, yeah. so now let's do a thought experiment. Okay. So theoretically, yeah. an organization, I, I man, a very powerful man, a group of- BlackRock, for whatever, instance. Uh, like BlackRock. Yes. Say they invented, say, say uh, what's that guy's name, Fink? Say, he's, say he is the Satoshi guy. Just th thought experiment. That's fine. You, okay, it doesn't so, matter. Okay, so he would he not be the largest holder in Bitcoin? Um, he single, would. Single he would, but it, would, it wouldn't affect Bitcoin at all. So okay. he could utilize that wealth and whatever. But how, and so we're talking that's trillions and trillions and trillions and yeah. trillions of dollars. So he's still on top. He's still number one. He still has power. Bitcoin doesn't discriminate against any person or organization. That everybody is allowed and able to have it. It doesn't screen anybody out based on their personality. If North Korea wishes to mine Bitcoin, they are welcome to. And if they do, they'll be contributing to the largest decentralized monetary system that's available to everybody on the planet Earth that has some sort of computing device and an internet connection. And okay. so if you're an Afghani woman and you aren't allowed to hold any money, you don't have to have permission from your husband from your society, from your government, they can actually store their hard work in Bitcoin. It will increase in value over their entire lifetime and their children, grandchildren, great grandchildren's timeline as well. And then how would the Afghani woman, if she had to pull that money out and have cash in Afghanistan? Yeah, it's a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, transaction network so that you don't actually have to convert to cash. If it's perceived that Bitcoin is the better cash, you can transact with Bitcoin without anybody's permission. How many people in Afghanistan are actually Afghanistan, not as much. Even but, in America, but let me I don't know. I, and, know and, I know one business doing it. In, 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 Amer yeah. in America, not so much. But a, a particular country in Africa, they are quite savvy with it because yeah, they have to be. Right. Well, El Salvador is too. But in Africa, it's this country called Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And these people have suffered deeply, yeah. deeply at the hands of their nefarious government. And and they were put in a position last year, or maybe it was this year, where they could only withdraw $20 worth of value from ATM machines. So their government locked them out from their bank accounts.
And they understood very quickly, we have to take our value out of the system. And so Nigerians are some of the most savvy Bitcoiners there are. And El Salvadorans are becoming because their country adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so El Salvador transformed one of the dangerous countries in the world. In three years, they're one of the safest countries in the world. What? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so. So, so, that, so that goes to show you also like how much like we're talking about societal problems <clears throat> and what could equalize it to take this 1% that's controlling everything. And, uh, and it's like resources, money, uh, it's money at the end of the day, it's money, right? So well, if you could take this money and start pouring it into places, not through like, uh, like a state welfare system. That's, um, that it's just gets lost in the bureaucracy. But if you can somehow dump this money in, in a, in a productive way, you're going to just like solve the crime issue. Right? Here's, here's a, here's one of the cool, well, I didn't want to, I, I held back on saying, I think the solution to most of these problems is Bitcoin, which is what I, I was think. waiting. And that's why I said, I am, Tom, when you left, but, but also it's, it's this, it's that, um, they say money is the root of all evil. And I don't believe that's true. I believe bad money is the root of all evil. And the money we've been using our whole lifetime is bad money. But what good money does is the longer you hold it, the more valuable it becomes. And that creates a different incentive. If you're holding money that becomes less valuable over time, then you invest in cheap and crappy stuff and your whole society is cheap and crappy. But if you have money that actually increases in value over time, you are very careful about how you spend that money. And you do not do it on bullshit stuff. You do it only on important stuff. And you're very careful in how you spend that. And that changes the entire incentive structure of our entire society. Did you ever see that? Uh, if, if people chime in, if you want to steer this another way, I'm going to keep doing this because I, I need to learn about Bitcoin. Well, I but don't want to make this whole thing that, but I, I don't either. But <laughs> but I don't either. But like China, right? They made it illegal. They made mining. Well, actually, they banned Bitcoin nine times in their country. Uh -huh. If it worked the first time, they wouldn't have had to do it the second time. Or the seventh. Or the seventh or the ninth. Mm -hmm. So That's people say, well, what if your government bans it? Well, you can continue, you don't need your government's permission to actually join and use it, utilize it. What they did ban is miners. About 60% of the Bitcoin miners were located in China because of cheap energy there. And they did kick them all out of the country. And half, about less than half went to um, Uzbekistan right across the border. And then more than half came to Texas, to the US, right. but particularly yeah. Texas. And that's Texas was suffering two years ago from a, a brownouts. As you guys live in Texas, you, you remember this, right? And, and the, the Texas grid is quite fragile because it's only within the state. Right. And then the next year, there were no brownouts. And what was the difference? Bitcoin miners. So the Bitcoin miners came to Texas. So we actually still did. That was we, yeah, we, did had, we, had, we have a lot of them. You're just not seeing it on the news. Oh, okay. We have right now, there's people without power. Three weeks ago, there was over 80,000 people oh, without really? power. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's happening everywhere. They're just not telling us about it well, right the, now the in grid, Texas. I do know that the grid yeah. in Texas is more stable because a lot of Bitcoin miners came there. And what, so they have this on, uh, Demand response is the way to protect a grid. And basically, it says you have to have people that are using your energy that are willing to turn it off in, in terms of crisis. Mm -hmm. And they, five years ago, this was like, oh, this is their technology that revolutionizes everything. And said, we're going to have all this demand response. So we're going to tell Amazon to turn off their servers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Amazon's not turning off the ser servers. And you're going to ask consumers to turn off their air conditioners or their water heaters. Yeah. And like, no, no, not yeah, my family. Okay. Yeah. So, the Bitcoin miners, they utilize excess energy. And then when they're, they say, we want you to turn off your miners, they can have them off in three seconds. Okay. And then dump all that power back to the grid. And they're incentivized to do it without having any grants or anything. And then they actually protect the grid and, through and, demand and, response. And, yeah. and they're the only computer softwares that are willing to turn them off willingly because it doesn't affect their operations. Right. Yeah. So, um, 
so this could maybe steer us out of here but okay. all right <laughs> yeah so like okay say fed coin or say the say the federal reserve creates a coin they are look look how quick they uh implemented all the passport id technology all these mm -hmm. things they put in place like so quick mm -hmm. and you know they could have done so much more but they're trying to do the the press slowly like okay so they make this coin and now everything we do operates off that how do you get how is your That's way called out of that? a central bank digital currency right. cbdc and every country in the world's looking at doing that and some have already started implementing them and what that will be is a money and the and the, and the wef openly admits this it will be money that we can control absolutely and we can monitor and control everyone's purchases and we can make sure that nobody's doing anything inappropriate and that may be doing things like not buying crickets, but not not buying. You're not you're not buying crickets, so we're going to cut off your bank account. You or you aren't allowed to eat steak. You and your family can't eat steak because that's bad for the environment. So if you're buying steak, we can cut off all your monetary resources. So it turns our whole society into a panopticon, as you're talking about, which is a prison. It's a circular prison with a tower in the middle, and everybody has an open cell. And the tower in the middle has the watch guards that are watching everybody with no privacy whatsoever. And you don't know whether they're looking at you or not, but you have to assume that they are. So you are living in a state of schizophrenia. And that's what the CBDC will do to our entire world society. And the only defense against it that I know of is Bitcoin. Because it's a money they can't attack, they can't confiscate. And uh, you actually have true ownership of it without a government's permission. You know, like in the olden days, whenever like, they would surround the city with the walls and then they would just sit there and wait for their resources to wither away. Yeah, how could they not do that? Look how powerful these people are. And I believe the way the CBDC is going to be implemented is by a huge financial crisis. Everybody loses their wealth really quickly and that the government comes to save everybody. So we're going to give everybody free money and we're distributing it to this new digital technology called the central bank digital currency. And so they'll be the savior with money they completely control. So it'll be a savior move that then becomes a complete lockdown on society. Right. It's it's crazy though how many people, how much cognitive dissonance we're seeing that it's like utopia is such a far reach. It feels like, especially like some type of a uh, like a political economic type of you know what I mean. It's like so. It's like if we know that this is what can happen if everything goes perfect, but like what's the actual percentage that like. I guarantee China making the moves they made put such a huge damper on the way those people are allowed to use their money. That's their real sovereign money, you know? And because uh, I do believe it's going to be the new base layer technology that's coming, but that's not determined. There's like a battle raging. You can and choose. So this, this, so this pulls us back again to awareness, presence, mm -hmm. decisions you're making, mm -hmm. and like how. And, and so basically, what you need is you need like, uh, you, you, so like they're going to hyperinflate this system, right? They're going to hyperinflate it, and that's how they're crashing. The crash is going up. That's essentially partially. So um, we all have money in banks here. We uh, live in America. We all right. have bank accounts. Everybody in this room, at least. And if you wish to go take your money out, do you know how much reserves the banks has? It's like uh, fractional reserve banking. It's like what T under ten percent, isn't it? One to three percent. Yeah, yeah. So all it takes is one to three percent of the deposits to be withdrawn right. from the bank that it starts. It's a bank run. I right? talked to big bankers, like, uh, yeah. and they're all saying they're preparing for it. And it's not. No, they're not. They no, they, they can't. They are preparing for all the small banks. I've, I talked to these people. Right. They're, what they're doing is the reason why they're preparing for it is not because they think there's an issue with their system because they know people panic. 
just like in Dallas, we had so, when the hurricane hit. Mm-hmm. The hurricane blows through. They said the the news. I think it was Fox. One of the news stations said all the waters, all, all the oil, and all the petroleum, all the fuel in Houston's covered up. We're out of gas within less than a day. You guys remember this? Yep. Lines around gas stations. Everything. Dallas had no gas for a while. All, and dude, it was like that day they were like, "Oh no, it turns out we do have it coming." Yeah. But like we were still out of gas, and everybody's just sitting there. Like mm-hmm. I'm driving around on E. Because people panicked. And I, I think the one thing you can count on just looking at the pandemic is people are going to panic. The right. larger majority of them. Mm-hmm. Sure. So how many, what percentage of the population, or it doesn't even take, like, do you, so Bitcoin you think is unstoppable. Nothing can ever stop it. I do believe that. Okay. I believe. It, if something could, what would it be? Would it be that the government overreach? Solar flare. So, and it's 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 interesting. All the all the theories about taking Bitcoin down require something on that order of magnitude, right? Which would be wiping everything out, anyways. Right. So, there one place in like Norway or somewhere in Northern Europe where all the internet comes from? Didn't you guys watch that South Park episode? Where where the internet actually? No, there's supposedly like one place where all comes. There's a lot of interconnects right outside the Suez Canal, actually. Um, but actually, okay, so to take down Bitcoin requires something on the order of a, a, a solar flare, a comet hitting Earth, um, a nuclear war, something like that. What does it take to take down our current financial system? It takes it takes 15 Silicon Bank failures. When Sil- we had already? So Silicon Bank failed and they got terrified because all the tech companies had their money in that bank and they came and rescued it. Fast, because what could have happened if they'd had fifteen of those in one week, it would be a match lighting dynamite on the entire world financial system. And I believe that we are in danger of a worldwide bank run because as soon as they start, as soon as the fire starts in this country, it goes to all countries. And then that, and then that's going to be what's your speculation? I I don't have that, but I I would say within five years. Okay. Do you have all your money in Bitcoin? Are you not yet? But I'm working on it. Yeah. Great question, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all wondering, I'm all like, yo, is it like, do you do anything else besides that? But, yeah. So, um, it, it, I, 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 it took me a lot of, the difference between me and, and others that don't is, is the education I put myself through. And I looked at it rationally and said, what's the sanest thing to do? And what's the greatest way to protect this? And, and you're the people that's different. driving it forward. And from what I've noticed about Bitcoin is most Bitcoiners are radical. And so, but and that's what the way they yeah. say about a small group of radical people can flip the whole change the world. You know what I mean? For sure. So yeah, and 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 it's and it's a it's a good thing to get radical about because that's how we feed ourselves. That's how we put clothes on our body. It's how we put gas in our car. That's how we live life. One of the most radical so, men I know is Shane Hazel, and his podcast is called Shane Hazel's Radical. Yeah, nice. <laughs> didn't they kill? Didn't they kill like some top three Bitcoin people? Is what? Like they killed, murdered, like the top three. That no, there's was that Bitcoin. There's, people? Was there's been point. people in cryptocurrency that have mysteriously died over the last couple of years. It's been weird, and I'm not sure what that's all about. Yeah, that's sketchy. so. How one last guys, and then I'm done with okay. Bitcoin Earth. How much longer do you think people are going to be able to like be making money off all the meme coins and Ethereum and all that stuff before it goes away? Is that going to have to be the crash, the like the great crash you're talking it's, about? It's hard to predict all that too, and I think. Due to a lot of players that want it to still be around, it could they could all be around for 10, 20 more years or so. I don't know. But we also don't know how this whole show goes down. So it's right. we're talking about there's no models for what's about to happen. Uncharted, all models uncharted are waters. All mm-hmm. models are broken. So if you're trying to do technical analysis on the financial future of the world, um, 
I'm sorry, did you account for the um, enlighten age of enlightenment? Because that was a bit of a dramatic thing. I'm just going to trust the AI's another model. one. <laughs> we, may be, we may be going through something that's never, that was probably unprecedented in history, like in, including eclipsing what our country went through in the Great Depression. Walking away from cities, walking away from offices. Yeah. We have been away from these things and going, I don't want to do this anymore. It's all about yes. that, people making personal choices. Everybody right, right. has to yeah. start doing it. You're seeing it more and more. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, it's so like you have these groups out there that are doing grass-fed beef on things. You know, you can get raw yes. milk if you just buy into the farm. So all these regulations they've got in place to kind of keep you dependent on this larger system – and it's causing you it's causing breakdown in mental breakdown emotional breakdown family breakdown well you go i've had enough of that i'm out right and then you go figure out that okay most of what you do in, in the city is really irrelevant to your well-being to mm -hmm. your to, to really a lot of it's irrelevant it's just a lot a whole lot of driving around for nothing mm -hmm. so you kind of you know if you move out to the country you know well i can't do that it's like hey I did it. So, and I've been up here for 30 years. And with nothing. With nothing. So, yeah, yeah you can do, do it. Anything. Like I was talking about my sister-in-law. She went and got a job. Feed her kids now. Yeah. You know, you got, you can do it. You just don't want to do it because of your identities. You're always talking about, oh, I got to keep, this identity is me. So, I'm not going to do that. Right. You know? Like, well, when you realize your identity is propped up by the society you're in and that the identity is nothing more than a drain on your well-being and a drain on the attention you could be giving your children and, and your own home in that sense, um, you know, they start moving out. So, you get this kind of, okay, we got the, the grass-fed beef initiatives. You got all these things going on, right? You know, there's a lady down the road that you can get chicken, you can get eggs from her. All right, so it's a local kind of a thing, stepping outside of a, a mainstream system. Well, mm -hmm. those people will be under attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if so if their value is, is you know, I mean, that's where a Bitcoin can play, that it is the currency of a much more ethical society, a much more mm -hmm. ethical portion of the population. And you know what? And the rest of them, you want to play that game? Bye. You know what I mean? It's like they're going to go – the way they're going to go. And if people are going to follow this whole program right off the cliff, yeah. you know, there's going to be some that don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. I just had a, I have a question. I'm sorry. I'm no. Right back. Bring it. Could you, okay. So, you know, like, Oh, we've got this currency. It's backed on this, backed on gold, whatever. Could you make a currency or no, I'm sorry. I'm not a currency. Could you have a bank that is backed by Bitcoin? Um, this woman named Caitlin Long is, was trying to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and got really far. She followed all the rules, regulations. She's really wicked smart. She's awesome. And um, she got all the way to the end of the process and they denied her ability to do so. She was trying to open the bank in Wyoming because it was going to be a danger to their banking system. Could, could they do it on the Indian reservations? Could the Indians um, do it? Possibly. The Navajo Nation is using, they have their own uh, power company, the Navajo Tribal Utility Authority that I consulted for. And they're using the power that they have on and solar panels. You're a Bitcoin consultant? No, as a consultant, oh. a utility consultant, oh, I got you. previous part of my life. And they, uh, they, they installed solar panels on the reservation and are mining Bitcoin with those solar panels because, because for them, how much trust do they have in the U.S. government and how yeah. fucked have they yeah. been by the U.S. government? Zero. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, there's a monetary system outside of this government? Um, yeah, please sign us up for that. We understand why we want that. That's mm -hmm. awesome. They are awesome. But I don't think they have any interest in doing that. They're, they're taking care of their own.
They don't. We just don't care about that. Interesting. Yeah. And the Navos are awesome. I mean, Chris and I have both had a lot of experience. Yeah, I spent a lot of time. Yeah, oh, yeah, you need to too. Yeah, you yeah, Cortez. Yeah. yeah. You and Navajo. Yeah, yeah. More Ute down there, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the Navajo are more down into New Mexico. Right. Like right. in Farmington area. Yeah, yeah like from there, and then it goes up into, I mean, like Cortez. I mean, that's pretty much the right. hub. Yeah. And then you get out past the sky, well, what do they call that? The Northern, whatever that Ute tribe is. It has a casino the, there. The, there's a ship rock you mountain. get. You get the ship yeah. rock farmings and all that. That's yeah. the Navajo. I forget what that's called. Yeah. yeah, but at any rate, yeah, it's very interesting stuff, man. How, so it sounds like one of the biggest solutions that you could do that I'm starting to lean towards, definitely that I'm leaning towards strongly, is Bitcoin. Well, I'm I'm right. I'm going to hopefully bring you and your wife down to yeah, yeah. Bitblock Boom in yeah. Austin in August, and really we're going to deep dive. What kind of wallet? is it that you need for Bitcoin? Like, is it like a protected wallet or just a... So they're called wallets, but it's actually a bad name for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually just, it can be either a piece of software or it can actually be a hardware device. And what it's really storing, the ownership of Bitcoin is actually 24 words, English words in a certain order. It's a password, it's a long password. And if you, and only you know that password, then you own it. Because that allows you to transfer it or trade it or sell it or use it. And then storing that safely is actually the safest way is stamping those yourself into a piece of stainless steel or titanium that's rust-proof, fire-proof, waterproof, and then have several of those. There's a number of ways to secure it. So it's called wallets, but there's a lot of technology for it. And there's there's good ones and there's better ones. <laughs> Which one do you prefer? Uh, the best I've come across is from a company called Cold Card. And they're, they're severely awesome Bitcoiners that are super paranoid and they're very serious about security and there's no fucking around with them. Another one's Blockstream. And the man who runs that is called Adam Back and he's an amazing... He actually developed technology that Satoshi copied to make Bitcoin. It's hailing the mountain. We're going to have to switch this out to a non-metal roof or insulate yeah. this. <laughs> Mother Nature saying wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? How long have we been going? Hour 40. Oh, dang. Yeah, it's only halfway through. Halfway through. <laughs> no, we're going to cut this one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, that, you know, good conversation. Uh, yeah. Maybe someone gets something out of it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having us as well. Obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. We love Wide Awake in Babylon. Number one podcast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. On a meme right there. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you guys will have me back. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, anytime you guys come up, there's come on in here. Go into. Absolutely. Good job. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, there's we could have gone into other things, but we've been talking about a lot of things over the weekend, and not every single thing needs to be heard. But okay, okay. And I think one of the last things I'll say, because I brought up a lot of scary topics, and it's not my intention to be fear porn, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. It's actually to bring up legitimate problems, but also have a solution. And yeah, yeah. so, oh. I, I don't, I'm not saying Bitcoin solves everything, but oh, boy, no, howdy, it's, it's does it help a lot. Man, you open my eyes to a lot, like actually just listening to you guys, and you know, and actually... You know there's a state where the money and the finances and the fiat is just uncertain. Right. But to actually hear that there is something there out is, there. There is something there. You know, that's protective and you can still actually one of the things in Bitcoin we say is don't trust, verify. So don't take my word on any of this. Do your own research. Absolutely. And it usually takes somebody hearing it seven times before they really get into it. So if this is your first time to hear it. This is not financial. <laughs> actually, when you're doing cryptocurrency, you have to say that. With Bitcoin, you don't because it's not a security. It's a commodity. Nice. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, popcorn. That's one of those XRP things. Is that from the XRP thing? All right, we're out of here, everyone. I don't think you can hear you. Thank you very much. Bye.